Good morning and welcome to our time of worship. People of God, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And we are called to worship this morning in the words of Psalm 36. Your steadfast love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast, you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. O continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart. And as we come to worship the Lord our God this morning, we do so knowing that he is present with us, he loves us, and he greets us. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. We are called to confession this morning in words from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. In the strength of this assurance that the Lord has his hand upon us, let, a, let us confess our sin and our need of Christ before our God. O gracious and gentle and condescending God, God of peace, Father of mercy, God of all comfort, we confess before you the evil of our hearts we acknowledge that we are too inclined toward anger, jealousy, and revenge, to ambition and pride which often give rise to discourse and bitter feelings between others and ourselves. Too often have we both offended and grieved you, O long-suffering God. Forgive us our sin for Jesus' sake and permit us to partake of the blessing you have promised the peacemakers who shall be called the children of God. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. As we continue our time of worship this morning, let's look to the Lord our God in a time of prayer. God our Father, awesome in power and majesty and holiness, you are great and greatly to be praised. So you invite us to enter your holy presence and to offer here our praise and prayer. Unworthy as we are, in Christ you accept us. In Christ you hear us. In Christ you receive our praise because in Christ you have given us confidence to draw near to your throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As we look at the world around today, Lord, it is evident that we need you not only every hour, but every moment of our lives. We know that you rule over all things and that you are at work in all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. But there remain so many times that we do not know how to pray as we ought. 
We hear rumors of war, Father, and we pray for those who live in places where rumor has become reality or seems likely to do so. We pray for our brothers and sisters in those parts of the world where they are persecuted for their faith. We pray for the United States today, that as they work to resolve the recent election, people may remain peaceful and work out their differences without unrest. We pray for the leaders of that nation and for our leaders, for all those whom you have put into authority over the nations. Guide them, we pray. Give them wisdom. Direct their thoughts in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Change their hearts to reflect your own heart. Let them govern at all levels, that your people may live always for you, bearing witness that our citizenship is really in heaven, and that it is from there that we eagerly await the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We also pray for your church here at High River, CRC, across this city and around the world, wherever you are worshipped in spirit and truth, wherever the gospel is faithfully proclaimed in the words and lives of your people. May the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to which indeed we were called in one body. May the word of Christ dwell in us richly as we teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts. In all that we do, in word or deed, Father, may we do everything. In the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may rightly reflect your glory to the world around until that day when every eye will see and every knee will bow and every tongue proclaim that he is Lord, giving all glory to you, our God and our Father. As we wait longingly for that day, we pray that you would continue to provide for your people, that we may have all that we need, food, clothing, and shelter, and especially the grace to know where it all comes from and to be truly thankful. We pray that in all of our various occupations, you would give us the strength to carry on with our work and that in the strength that you provide, we would serve, not as men pleasers, but rather, Father, as those who serve the Lord Christ. Let the light of your grace shine through in all that we do that we may see that you truly are the only source of all that is good and that the world may know that you are God alone. We also pray this morning for the work of Back to God Ministries and Reframe Media. Receive our tithes and offerings today and use them to bless those who labor in those organizations and who bring the word of the gospel to those who listen from day to day. Give them all they need and work through these ministries to accomplish your purpose in all. We pray for those who are struggling with poor health at this time. Father, we remember especially Lorinda and Marie, and we pray for them and for all those in our congregation, community, and families. Give them all that is needed in body and soul. Grant healing and strength, peace and patience. We pray, Lord, for an end to this pandemic and to all that it involves, to the lockdowns and the other measures that are so difficult for so many people. We pray in that light for our senior members and for all in our community who have found themselves more isolated during this time. Father, we pray that you would be near to comfort and to bless Roy and Mary, Teeny, John, Rita, Erwin and Gail, Don and Ruth, Rocco and Susanna, Bert, Trudy, Sam and Wilma and Janine. We pray that you might give us all that we need of your grace and spirit and everything that is needed for life and godliness as we cry out to you. 
We pray that even in the trials and struggles of these days, we would rejoice as we see you working in us all that is pleasing to you through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. We pray too that you would forgive us our sins, Father, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. We pray that as your beloved children, we may imitate you in this, walking in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up to you as a fragrant offering and sacrifice for us and for our salvation. And as we walk in your spirit, Lord, lead us always in paths of righteousness for your name's sake, that our light may so shine before the world that they would see our good deeds, but ascribe all glory, honor, power, and praise to you and to your holy name. We ask these things of you, Father, not only because Christ commanded us to do so, but also because the kingdom and the power are yours, and you are willing and able to give us all that is truly good, that your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit may be glorified in us and through us forever and ever, as we come to you in the name of Jesus our Savior. Amen. We will be coming back next Lord's Day, if God is willing, to our series from the book of Revelation. But for this week, we return to the book of Ruth for the final message in that series on the gospel according to Ruth. So our scripture reading this morning is Ruth chapter 4. I will begin in verse 1 and read through the chapter from the English Standard Version. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of that city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it. In the presence of all those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people, if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was a custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have brought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel, 
and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem, and may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. This is the word of the Lord. And in the words of Bilbo Baggins, the hero of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, they lived happily ever after to the end of their days. Or so it seems. But how do you really end a love story? That is, after all, what we've been studying as we've worked our way through the book of Ruth this fall. It's a story about the love that a young Moabite woman had for her Israelite family a family that had been driven by famine to leave Israel and to go down into what amounted to enemy territory. It's a story about the way that she loved her mother-in-law so much that even when everything went wrong and all the men in the family had died, she still refused to let go and to return to the home of her own family. And it's the story of a love that the same young Moabite woman came to have for an aging farmer who first noticed her as she was following his servants, trying to glean just enough grain to keep herself and her mother-in-law alive from what the harvesters left behind in his field. It's a story about a love that refused to be thwarted, by prejudice and fear, love that flirted with the boundaries of tradition and then crossed them. And as we saw the last time that we discussed this little book, true love conquers all, at least in this case. Boaz marries Ruth, and the story draws to a close, except it doesn't, not quite. We're told in our text this morning that when Boaz had taken Ruth to be his wife. The Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son, a little boy, who was then placed on the lap of his grandmother, Naomi, just as the elders had prayed. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel, May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you 
by this young woman. And it's an interesting blessing if you stop to think about it. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be that like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. And if we know the stories from the book of Genesis, we might stop and say, really? May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. This would be the Tamar, who having been denied her rights as a widow in, in Judah's house, having been withheld from his third son, out of fear that perhaps something bad would happen, she dressed herself as a harlot and she seduced her father-in-law so that she could finally have children. This hardly seems like an appropriate family to call attention to as a part of a blessing, but then it was hardly appropriate for a man who married a Moabite woman in that day to build a family through her. And after all, the story of Judah and Tamar turned all out all right. But maybe the elders here are acknowledging that this story too might turn out the same way. And it does. Because God does grant Boaz and Ruth a child, as he did Judah and Tamar. And the child is a blessing, even as the women of Bethlehem offered their praise to God, saying, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. And again, their blessing is not only interesting, but a little surprising. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And if we've been paying attention to the story as we went along, we might think, of course not. Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. Boaz became life and hope and salvation, at least humanly speaking, for the remnant of Naomi's family when he chose to love Ruth and to make her his bride. But that's not what the women of Bethlehem were saying. They continued, For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. So clearly they're not thinking about Boaz and the role that he played as the kinsman redeemer of Ruth and Naomi and the remnant of their family. They're not thinking of Boaz, they're looking at his son, the baby, Obed. And it seems odd, because this little boy, this baby, is not going to be in a position to redeem anyone for a very long time. It will be decades before he grows into his inheritance, and the chances are very good that Naomi did not live to see it. It was a rare blessing in those days for a person to see their children's children to a fourth generation. So we have to wonder at this prophecy. And that's what it is in the end. We have to wonder if the women of Bethlehem were even aware or understood the meaning behind their song. You see, they may have meant it to be an end to the story. And it would have been a fine ending. Naomi came home from Moab bitter and empty, except for the daughter-in-law that she had asked to stay behind. She thought her life was over until the day when Boaz met 
Ruth and fell in love with her and determined to make her his wife. Now they were not only married, but they had given Naomi a grandson and her life was no longer empty and bitter. Her life was full. It was pleasant. And maybe this is what caused the women of Bethlehem to think to provide this happily ever after to the end of the tale. But the women of Bethlehem didn't write the tale, though without a doubt they told it for centuries. The story was written down much later, possibly by the old prophet Samuel, who may or may not have cared all that much about the love between Ruth and Boaz. What he did care about, what the author of this book, whoever that was, did care about, finds expression in the very next verses. And this is the reason the book exists. Verses 16 and 17 of Ruth chapter 4. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. You see, the chief concern of Samuel, or whoever wrote the story down, was really to establish that link between David, the king of Israel, and the line of his forefathers that went all the way back to Abraham. Samuel goes on, now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Ram, Ram fathered Aminadab, Aminadab fathered Nashon, Nashon fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. And that effectively ties David all the way back to Judah, who was the son of Jacob, you may remember, and the father of Perez, and the founder of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. But by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there's something else going on here that may have been beyond even the author's intent or ability to discern, because this is not a genealogy of distinction. As we already noted a few moments ago, this is the family line of Perez, according to verse 18. But as we've seen, Perez was conceived when his mother disguised herself and played the harlot with her father-in-law, Judah, who was refusing a younger son to serve her as a kinsman redeemer. And Boaz himself, well, his mother was Rahab, a Canaanite and a prostitute. Hardly the sort of thing that's going to find mention in most family histories, but the author includes it here, at least by making reference to Perez and Boaz. And we don't really have to wonder why. Because how do you end a love story as beautiful as that of Boaz and Ruth? You end it with another love story, even more beautiful and one that really does put a happily ever after like a seal on the story. You see, by filling in the blanks in the genealogy, the author connects the dots between King David and his forefather Judah, and therefore Abraham as well. And that was very, very important to the readers in Samuel's day. But for us, the importance runs even deeper, because long before the story of Boaz and Ruth, God made a promise to his people through Abraham saying, I will surely bless you 
and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And that blessing certainly included the birth of King David of Israel. But primarily, that blessing was about David's greater son, Jesus, the Christ, who was born a descendant of David, Paul says in the book of Romans, according to the flesh, according to human ancestry, but declared by the Holy Spirit in an act of power to be the Son of God, our Lord and our Savior. So in the love story of an aging farmer and a Moabite refugee, we find the seeds of the greatest love story ever told. Because as Boaz loved Ruth and did everything that he could do, everything that he had to do, to make her his own, redeeming her perhaps even at some cost to himself because he loved her more than his own life. Even so, God in Christ Jesus, that great, 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 great grandson of Boaz and Ruth, demonstrates his own great love for us, doing all that was necessary, everything that had to be done to make his people his own. For Jesus, this was certainly achieved at great cost, but he loved us and he gave himself for us and for our salvation. He did not regard the glory that he had with God the Father before the world began as something to be grasped. So he let go, emptying himself, taking the form of a servant. And as a true human being, son of God, yes, but son of man, he was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And he did it for us and for our salvation. And it's a love story, the love story, because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that's how you end the greatest love story ever told. You don't. It began in the Garden of Eden when the world was still brand new. It was spoken of through the prophets to the people of Israel. It was confirmed by covenant to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David. It was reiterated in the story of Ruth and Boaz, and it continues to be told down to this very day, because right here and right now, we are called to remember and believe that God loved us and sent his son to make all those who would believe in him a part of this greatest love story ever told. And he confirms his covenant of love with us, calling us to come and to receive his grace. Every time we gather for worship and especially when we may come to the Lord's table, promising that one day our kinsman, Redeemer, Jesus, the Christ, his Son, will return in glory to claim his bride, the church. And then we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And at the end, 
or maybe at the true beginning of the greatest love story ever told. Those who have trusted in Christ alone for their salvation and have found in him light and life and hope will truly live happily ever after for the rest of our days. And our days will go on to all eternity in the gracious kingdom of our God. May we look to him in prayer. Father, we pray that you would continue to speak to us this morning by your word and spirit, drawing us to yourself, making us your own by faith, and Father, working in us that which is pleasing to you, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever, as we pray in his name, amen. We are sent on our way this morning with words from the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where he exhorts us, be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord our God. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. <laughs>